0: Thank you Monica. Uh, Tonight's reading is from Romans chapter 11 uh, and verses 33 through to 36. If you've got one of the church Bibles you'll find that on page uh, 1139. So Romans chapter 11 starting at verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him. And for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen.
1: Well, thank you very much, Rich, for reading. Please do keep that passage open. That will be very helpful for me as we uh, look at it together this evening. Uh, Over the past few weeks, uh, we've been looking at the solas of the Reformation. Uh, The word sola is Latin for alone. And so, so far, I hope you've seen that God alone is responsible for the great work of salvation that we benefit from. There is no room for the glory of man in God's plan of salvation. Because salvation is God's grace alone. It's a free gift to us, and which comes to us through His Son alone, through Christ alone, and it's received by faith alone. Christ does what we could not do for ourselves. He, he died a death we deserved, so that if we put our faith in Him, our trust in Him, our hope in Him, we can be right with God. God alone is responsible for our salvation, and therefore God alone deserves the glory. He deserves the praise. That's where we've been heading all this time, all along. God's glory is the, it's the crescendo, the peak of these solos of the Reformation. Our understanding of salvation is it's meant to lead us to praise God with our lives. So that, like the psalmist, we can say, As the deer pants for the streams of living water, so my soul longs for you, my God. And in doing so, let me ask for God's help as we dive in into his word. Heavenly Father, it's our longing that our souls would long to praise you for all that you've done for us. And we thank you for the great gift of salvation. And we thank you for sending your work, your son Jesus Christ, to accomplish this work of salvation. And we thank you for the gift of faith which enables us to receive all that the Lord Jesus has done for us. And it is right that we give you glory alone, that we praise you for all that you've done for us. As we spend time in your word this evening, uh, would your spirit uh, set our hearts on fire with love for you, for all that you've done for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, please do look up. Um, I'm sure there'll be some of us here this evening who like going walking up mountains, climbing mountains. if you like it, you, you get to the top, the summit, to the peak, and um, it's a great thing to do if you have the, the health, the time, and the resources to do so. Um, here's... Oh, let me just go back a sec. Yeah, here's a, there's a picture of me and Beth um, on top of a ridge, as it were, somewhere in the Lake District. Um, I can't remember whereabouts it was, but you can tell by Beth's expression I kind of dragged her up there. But I, I, think, uh, I think she enjoyed the view. Um, Ten points to anyone who can guess where that is in the Lake District. I can't remember. But it's a stunning view, isn't it? Um, Now, of course, there are much better views in the world. Of course, there are higher mountains to climb. Think of what it might feel like to summit uh, Mount Kilimanjaro or Mount Everest. If you were able to summit those mountain peaks, what would your response be? Well, in your Bibles, um, you'll see that uh, the heading above verse 33 says, Doxology. Doxology. Uh, doxology simply means praise to God. And it's, it's an appropriate heading for our passage this evening. And if you like, it's a crescendo, the peak of the solos of the Reformation, because as the Apostle Paul summits the mountain... Uh, the peak of his theology as he's explained God's plan of salvation in the previous verses and chapters for both Jews and Gentiles, as he marvels at how God is able to show mercy to those who don't deserve it, even those who reject him. He, he stops for a moment to, to admire the view. He, he takes in God's marvellous and mysterious plan of salvation and all he can say is, Oh wow. Would you look at that view? How marvelous, how wonderful, how gracious and merciful God is. The response he has to the, to the wonderful view of God's salvation is sheer praise. And we're going to anchor ourselves in verse 36 this evening. And particularly the three kind of key prepositions in the verse which give us our headings. From him through him and for him. From him, through him, and for him. Firstly, salvation comes from God alone. Thank you, Tophah. Salvation comes from God alone. Verse 33 Oh, the depth of the riches of God. As Paul reaches the peak of his explanation of God's plan of salvation, he can't help but exclaim Oh, wow! Look how rich God is in mercy, how vast and deep his grace is. In Romans chapter 10, verse 12, just a page uh, back on the right-hand column, you'll see it says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Elsewhere in Ephesians, Paul says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. Salvation comes from God alone, because only God alone is truly rich. Truly rich in grace and mercy. Anyone, Jew, Gentile, young, old, poor, rich, you can receive the boundless riches of Christ if all you do is call on his name and put your trust in him. God is never too busy to, to answer the call of anyone or too tired or stressed. Uh, we, we never get the answer phone when we call on Jesus to save us. He's always available and never runs out of mercy towards us because the depth of his rich nature is limitless. Oh, wow, Paul exclaims, the great gift of salvation, it comes from the depth of God's riches. I want you to think of a bathtub, think of a bathtub, and then, once you've got that in your mind, think of the ocean, bathtub, ocean. Now, imagine in an apocalypse, uh, the water you had left was the size of a very big bathtub, bathtub. Uh, For that size, you you would have to, I guess, manage your drinking habits judiciously, um, extra careful not to waste anything, because, well, you want to make it last. You don't want it to run out. You can easily use water the size of a bathtub, can't you? How about the ocean? If the drinking water you had left was the size of the ocean, what would your approach be then? Well, the ocean is so vast... you won't think twice about drawing water from it. It's so big. It's almost limitless. Well, the same is with God. He is rich in grace and mercy that we should never think twice about coming to him. the story goes of a man in a court of Alexander the Great who once asked the great ruler for financial help and he was told that he could take the money from the imperial treasury. Uh, When he submitted to the treasurer a request uh, for the amount he asked for, uh, he was promptly refused. The treasurer had to verify that such a large sum was indeed authorised. But when the treasurer asked Alexander, the ruler, he replied, Alexander did, pay the money at once, pay the money at once, the man who has asked has done me a singular honour. By the largeness of his request, he shows that he has understood both my wealth and generosity. God is rich in grace and mercy. He He's rich in bringing salvation to those who don't deserve it. From the depths of His riches, His wealth of mercy, salvation comes. Secondly, from the depths of God's wisdom and knowledge comes salvation. Oh, the depths, verse 33, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. God not only chooses to save us out of his riches, but thankfully, he knows how to save us. From the depths of his wisdom and knowledge, he, he always has the ability to make the right decisions, he, he never gets it wrong. Even the the tricky, tough moral questions. He always gets right. How will God combine justice and mercy? How how will he, he mercifully save us without compromising on his justice and the need to punish sin? Well, look to the cross of the Lord Jesus where both justice and mercy meet. How is it that we can receive salvation, all that Christ has done for us without doing anything to earn it? Well look to Jesus in whom God is he's able to declare an unrighteous person righteous if they put their faith and trust in Jesus. God's wisdom is and knowledge is so vast and deep that is verse 33b unsearchable. You can't fathom his decisions, the judgments of God, they're beyond us. Yet yeah, God has revealed himself to us through Jesus and his word. Of course he has. But we can never, never exhaust knowing God, can we? Uh, God is He's infinite in his wisdom and knowledge. And, and we are limited. We're, we're finite beings, aren't we? Uh, see, the knowledge and wisdom that we have in our world, it's great. But it's limited and it's broken. It, it's a knowledge and wisdom that that takes as much as it gives. We live near a university city, um, a pretty decent one at that, and it's tempting to think that we're at the cutting edge of human thought and research. And I guess to an extent we probably are, aren't we? Yet with all this knowledge and technological progress and research, are we any wiser than life than people were 100 years ago? 250 years ago a thousand years ago are people any happier and one of the songs I I like is called patience by uh, Damien uh, Damien Marley and Nas. and one of the lines kind of echoes in my brain he says one of the guys says scholars in universities and claim they're smart and cunning tell them to find a cure when we sneeze and that's when their nose starts running Yeah, we can know about the human body, broken into its atomic structures, if needs be. But as the teacher in Ecclesiastes says, for with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Great, we can understand the natural world through science and understand humanity through incredible psychological wisdom. But in the process will come much vexation and sorrow. Why? Because we can't ultimately fix the problems we see in the world or in ourselves. The knowledge we have and wisdom, it gives or takes as much as it gives. Medical progress, which means infant mortality rates have gone down on one hand. On the other hand, abortions become more readily available for the unborn Modern smartphones, on one hand, enable us to, to communicate with friends and family on the other side of the world. And yet, on the other hand, more families of friends are locked away from each other in the same room because the same phone locks us away via social media, emails and to-do lists. The atom, yeah, it splits. Great. Nuclear energy. Oh No nuclear weapons. Uh, We are limited in our knowledge and wisdom of the world. It's a knowledge and wisdom that takes as much as it gives. Salvation cannot, must not come from us, limited people. But the depths of God's wisdom and knowledge is limitless. His judgment is always impeccable, perfect. Whenever he makes a decision, it always leads to real change and progress. Why? Well, because he knows all things. He has the wisdom to achieve all things. And that's why he alone can save. And he alone deserves the glory, the praise. Salvation can only come from God. But who does it come through? If God alone deserves the glory, then salvation must also come through him alone my second point salvation comes through god alone it's the second preposition in our in our verse verse 36 for him and through him through him as we think of the christian life from beginning to end there's never any room for us to take credit god doesn't just think of a of a wise plan to save us no he he's able to execute it himself Salvation comes from God and through God alone. And we see this most clearly in the life and death of Jesus Christ. Uh, In verses 34 to 35, we have three uh, kind of rhetorical questions. Who can know the mind of God or give him advice? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? Of course, the answer is no one. No one. God is infinite and, and we are finite. There is a, a creator-creature distinction in which everything the creature is is from the creator, uh, the mind of God. The only knowledge we have of God is the knowledge that God himself has revealed to us. Our, our knowledge of the triune God is is only possible because God has chosen to make himself known to us. Who should give him advice or or counsel? We can't fully know the mind of God, especially in his works of salvation. So so how could we possibly give him any advice or pointers on what he should should do or who he should save? No, God is the one who sends his Holy Spirit, his wonderful counsellor, uh, to breathe new life into us so that we can respond to him so that we can know him because otherwise uh, we were spiritually dead in sin how can you give advice to the one who knows all things who has given anything to god that god should repay him uh, in 1 corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 paul asks the question what do you have that you did not receive And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Our lives, our intellect, work ethic, looks, the families we're born into, our parents, marriage, material possessions, even our faith. It's all a gift from God. So how can we possibly give anything back to him? It all belongs to him in the first place. Everything comes from him and is sustained through him. And we see this gloriously in the work of salvation. In the cross of Christ, we see God's glorious plan to save the world. Earlier in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, as we read um, last week, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Our redemption comes through the shedding of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And when it comes to the Christian life, we don't, we can't repay God because we can't afford to. We can't afford to repay him for what he's done for us, the Lord Jesus. It was the former Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, who said, the only thing I contribute to my salvation is the sin I need redeeming from. The only thing I contribute to my salvation is the sin I need redeeming from. We bring nothing to the table in our salvation except the sin which causes the need for saving in the first place. The blood of the Lord Jesus redeems us from the slavery of sin. He buys us back and he breathes new life into us. Uh, we have a new master with a new destiny. And there's nothing we did to deserve it. Salvation is from God alone. It's his initiative. Salvation comes through God alone, through Christ alone. He accomplishes it. And therefore, salvation is for God's glory alone. Our third point. The third kind of key preposition in the verse, verse 36 For from him and through him and for him are all things. Everything we have from God is from God. God's the creator of the universe, the heavens and the earth. He didn't have any help to do it. God alone is the author of salvation. Comes from the depths of his riches, of his grace and mercy. And everything is through him. Which means... Everything is sustained by him. God doesn't just create the world and then stand back to admire his good creation. Nor does he create the world with energy, kind of sufficient to keep it going. Uh, John Calvin, a key uh, person in the Reformation, says this God sustains, nourishes, and cares for everything he has, he has made even to the least sparrow. God sustains, nourishes, and cares for everything he has made, even to the least sparrow. Nothing in this world exercises its own power, not even the sparrow in the flight or the lowly worm exercises its own power, except in so far that it is directed by God's ever-present hand, God's power. By God's power alone does the world stand and has stood since the beginning of time. God created the world, he maintains the world, and he fixes it. So it's it's only right for him that all glory belongs to him. He alone deserves the praise for life, for the maintenance and sustenance of life. He alone deserves our praise for everything that's good in our lives. Which means... Well, it would be wrong that we get any of the glory. See, if it's right that God gets all the glory, then it would be wrong that we get any of the glory. Uh, We are by nature often wanting to to grab some of the glory for ourselves. That's kind of what's at the heart of sin, uh, a self-centeredness. You know that Sunday school phrase, uh, what's at the center of the word sin? Well, it's the letter I. I. I, that's our default position, Uh, we naturally want to to jostle for some of the glory. It goes right back to the Garden of Eden and the fall of humanity. You see, uh, there are many ways our world longs for glory. We see it in sports, uh, beauty, how you look, politics, uh, so on and so forth. But lest we think it's a problem alone out there in the world, and not with ourselves or in the church I'm certainly not immune to this, a while back we were discussing as a staff team and someone mentioned an activity in which I'd been involved in but didn't mention my name straight away I wanted to say, wait, hey hold on a minute, you forgot me so I spent the next few seconds thinking of a way to to get my name in the conversation to remind them but I didn't in the end, um, I realised how silly I was being and the Holy Spirit convicted me, thank God. Now, that's not to my praise, it's to God's praise that he convicts us of our sins. Maybe like me, you're, you're often tempted to, to take some of God's glory for yourself in, in the ways you serve. We might be tempted to, to serve in such a way that we, we subtly want to draw attention to ourselves and when we're not praised, we, we feel slightly bitter. Not saying, therefore, we shouldn't serve or thank each other. But we need to constantly ask ourselves, what is motivating me in my service of God and others? What is motivating me in my service of God and others? I think we'll often find mixed motives. Um, and it's good to bring our motives before God asking for his help, that we wouldn't rob him of the glory he deserves when we serve. Uh, One way of reminding ourselves of who deserves the glory is to remind ourselves of God's character, who he is and what he's done. And that's what we've thought about over the past few weeks in the solas. Salvation is, is God's free gift to us. It's grace alone that we stand here tonight. And it comes through Christ alone. God alone himself accomplishes salvation. And even the faith that we use to receive it, it's a gift from God alone. As we marvel at God's plan of salvation, of his sustenance of the world, he keeps it going, we can't help but praise him. Like Paul in this passage, he says at the end of verse 36, To him be glory forever. You know, like climbing to the top of the mountain? You get there. What would a healthy response be once you get to the top as you survey the wonderful vista? What would a healthy response be? A healthy response would be to take in the view and marvel at the beauty of it all. A healthy view of what God has done for us should make us marvel and praise him with our lives, giving him all the glory. I'm going to finish now, but let me give you a moment to reflect, um, maybe on some of the ways um, we might be distracted from giving God the glory and we're tempted to take glory for ourselves. Let me give you a moment to reflect, then I'll draw us back to, to close. So a moment to reflect on how we're tempted to take glory for ourselves and not to give it to God instead. Well, there'll be many ways uh, that come to mind, but it's our prayer that as we uh, continue to remember God's glorious work of salvation, all that he's done for us this week, like the Apostle Paul, we can't help but marvel at the depth of the riches of God, how gracious and merciful he is. As I finish, let me invite you to join with me in saying the glorious verse, verse 36 together. It should be on the screen. So together we say, For from him and through him and for him, all things, to him be glory forever. Amen.